First John chapter 4 and First Thessalonians 5. How many love the Word? I love the Word. The Word changes you in ways you don't realize at the moment. Just reading the Bible. You can read things you don't understand. And yet if you read it in faith and just say, well, I, even if I don't understand it, I believe it. It can work in you. And begin to affect changes in you that you don't even realize. And are just evident later. Like a minister friend of mine said when he was a little boy. He said he could not figure out how that a, a brown cow could eat green grass. And give white milk. And you churn it and make yellow butter. He couldn't figure that out. <laughs> but all the while he's thinking about it. He was enjoying the milk and the butter. How many believe you don't have to understand it to enjoy it? Amen. You don't have to understand and know fully how that by his stripes you're healed to enjoy healing. Right. You don't have to understand exactly how that him going to the cross and taking your sins, how that cleanses you and sets you free and how he became sin and gave you his righteousness. You don't have to understand all that. Just believe it. Amen. Amen. And receive it. And it'll work for you. In 1 John, the fourth chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, if you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, you might look over at your neighbor that has one, smile and slide over to him, look on, it'll register on you better if you will. Verse 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Don't believe every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Interesting. Don't believe every spirit. Now, we are spirit beings. And there are many spirit beings that, that we don't see. I mean, I, I see you sitting there. You see me standing here. But really, you don't see me. You see the house I live in. And you're sitting there looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. You're inside. Right? And if we bury that body, if your body died and we bury that body, you don't cease to exist. Hmm? And you don't turn into an angel. That would be a demotion. And you don't hang around the earth and haunt it somewhere. When the body dies, the spirit comes out of the body. Like a man taking his hand out of a glove. Or taking your foot out of a boot. In fact, the body is called a sheaf, like for a sword in, in Chaldean in the book of Daniel. That's what it is. It's, it's like a sheath. It's like a, a holster, like a glove. And when you die, you, your spirit comes out of your body. And if you're saved, you go up. Amen. Amen. 
You go to heaven, you go to be with Jesus. You don't hang around here. If you're not saved, you go down to hell. People scoff about these things and they try to make fun. But listen, there is a heaven and there is a hell. They're very, very real. Just as real as here. And more so. But there are spirits. You, you and I are spirit beings. God is a spirit. Of course, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. Jesus is a spirit. He has a flesh and bone body right now. That he's sitting in at the right hand of the Father. Amen. But he's a spirit. Angels are spirits. How many believe in angels? Angels, Hebrew says, are ministering spirits. Spirits sent to minister for those of us who shall be heirs of salvation. They're here to help us. Amen. To protect us. And to help us and to do all manner of things for us. I think sometimes our angels are not doing nearly what they'd like to be doing to help us. Because we're not cooperating. We're not believing. But how many believe we'll learn some more about it? So be it. Well, then you got the devil. He's a spirit. And demons, they're spirits. And so there are a lot of spirits in, in the earth and under the earth and above in heaven. And these spirits are all, so many of them are trying to influence other spirits, particularly trying to influence people in the earth. You know, sometimes you've seen the cartoon drawing and they got the man or the woman and they got a got an angel sitting on this shoulder and got a devil sitting on this shoulder. You ever seen anything like that? And and, and the, the, the angel or the, the good spirit is trying to influence them to do a good thing and the devil is trying to influence them to do a bad thing. That's actually a whole lot of truth to that. And there is nobody in the earth that's just doing their own thing. You hear people say that, you know. You hear people sometimes give that as an excuse as to why they're not ready to get saved. They're not ready to give their life to the Lord because they want to do their own thing. They want to do what they want to do. That is a deception. There is nobody in the earth just doing their own thing. You're being influenced. And you're yielding either to God and angels, the Holy Spirit, good influences, or you're yielding to bad influences. Right? And the scripture here said, try the spirits. Test them. That word means prove them. Check them out. Let me say it like this. How many believe you're not supposed to just yield to everything? You're not supposed to just let anything and everything influence you. You're supposed to check it out. Test it. See if it meets the qualifications for something you should have in your life. And either approve it or disapprove it. Either receive it or reject it. Either yield to it or resist it. Now now keep reading here, please. 1 John 4... Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. A friend of mine said one time, he said, now that doesn't mean like Baskin Robbins. That they got, what, 39 flavors or whatever it is. And, huh? 31? And, and I'm going to try all of them. That's not what he means. Try all of them. 
And some people you wonder about, I mean, <laughs> how much they fluctuate in their life. I mean, their personality can just totally change from morning to, to afternoon. Right? And just a roller coaster people. Well, maybe that's what they thought that meant. They're trying the spirits. <laughs> They're just yielding to everything that comes along. Yeah. Every feeling, every thought, every influence. And, and some people do yield entirely to, to too many different things that they ought to be resisting instead of giving place to. Hold your place here and look at 1 Thessalonians. We're coming back to here, so hold it. But 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Say it out loud while you turn and try the spirits. See, that means test. Test them. Try, test them. Prove them. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, and the 18th verse. In everything, give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Now when he said don't quench the Spirit, the, the word quench is kind of like throwing water on a fire. <clears throat> don't extinguish it. Don't put it out. And when you hear somebody prophesying, don't despise it. Even if you've heard a lot of goofy prophecies, judge everyone individually. Don't just say, well, I don't want to hear all that. Because it could be God this time. Right? And you can see what he's saying here because the very next phrase says what? Verse 21. Prove. That's a similar word. Test. Try, prove what? All things. And then do what? Hold fast to that which is good. But what about the rest of it? Don't hold on to that. Right? Let it go in one ear and out the other. Let that feeling go on by. Throw that thought and idea down. Right? But what are we supposed to test and prove? All things. And that, how much does that cover? You know, a friend of mine years ago in Bible school, he was very, very studious and liked to do word studies. And he said he's going to do a word study on this word all in the New Testament. So, man, he went back and he studied the, the, the Aramaic and the Greek roots and the Hebrew roots and uh, and the Chaldean, and, and I mean, he really delved into it. After many hours of study, he came to me, he said, well, I've discovered what this word in the Greek and the Hebrew means that's carried over from English, what it really means, this word all, it means all. <laughs> that's, that's what it means, really means. <laughs> well, it is good to know that the Bible... Means what it says. Amen. And we need to remind ourselves of that when the scripture says all things are possible to him or her that believes, what does that mean? It means all. Is it possible for your body to be healed so you don't have any pain anymore and you can do whatever you want to do? Is it possible? If you believe. 
Is it possible to pay off all your bills and be completely out of debt and give big checks in the offerings and bless people and help your kids and grandkids and do things for your neighbors? Is it possible? Is it possible to anybody? No. (laughs) All things are possible, but just to those that believe. To those who don't believe, it's not. Sorry about that. I set you up on that. Everybody say, test the spirits. Prove all things. Prove all, test it out. You know, so many people are entirely too gullible. They think being a Christian means I'm a believer, and it does. But it means I believe everything and everybody, which it doesn't. Nor does it mean that you're supposed to trust everybody and everything. We are commanded to love everybody. That's not the same as trusting everybody. I'm serious. I know some years ago somebody came along and wanted to, uh, uh, they were talking about some investment thing that they wanted us to get in on. And it sounded really good. And Phyllis and I initially got excited about it. And we were ready to put substantial amount of money into it. And I was praying about it that, that following night. And the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very distinctly inside me. How many believe that the Lord can let you know something? Does the Lord, I mean, we, you read the scripture, he used to speak to people. Right? Didn't he? I mean, it's obvious. Wonder if he still speaks to people. Yes, he does. But don't try to hear audible voices. Don't try to feel goosebumps and hot flashes and cold flashes. Don't try to see. Don't try to make it all spectacular. Realize, like Romans says, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Uh, he, he lets us know that we are the children and the sons of God. He lets us know we're saved. He lets us know that we're His. Well, if He can let you know that, He can let you know something else. Well, He, he spoke to my heart. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but very distinctly inside me. He reminded me of Peter who went up on the housetop and had that vision. And then the Holy Ghost said that there were men that were downstairs that He had sent to go with them, nothing doubting. Now, they were total strangers to Him. But he said, I've sent them, go with them. And the Lord said to me, I didn't tell you that. Talking about these people that had come, I didn't know them. Now they were Christians and every other phrase, they're talking about we're brothers, we're, we're Christians, you know, we're, we're in God together. And the Lord said, you don't know them, you have no reason to trust them. I, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I didn't tell you. I was sending them. I didn't tell you to go with them. So somebody said, what would you do? Nothing. That was the end of that. And thank God, because it turned out it was a scam. It was wrong. And we've seen things like that time after time after time. Yes, we are believers, and, and we have to... We have to watch that because we train ourselves, we school ourselves to trust. Right? To believe, even when it doesn't look like it, it doesn't feel like it, when it looks like the opposite. And we believe in miracles. We believe amazing things can happen. Amen? But that doesn't mean that you believe what everybody says. 
and that you trust what everybody presents to you. Right? And if the Lord didn't say anything to you about it, then that ought to be enough. Amen. Amen. Leave it alone. Wait, wait till you get direction on something. Test the spirits. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about judging the person. I'm talking about, though, we do have to decide uh, if we're going to go along with them or not. If, if I agree and go along with a person, then I wind up yielding to whatever they're yielding to. And letting whatever's influencing them influence me. And in that case, I, I have to decide I, proving the, the, the things and trying the spirits. What spirits are involved here, good or bad? Are you with me? That doesn't mean I'm judging the person and just saying they're a bad person because a, per, a person can be deceived. They can mean well but be duped, right? And out of ignorance even be yielding to a wrong thing. Doesn't mean that they're just all bad people. How many understand Christians can yield to wrong spirits? Now go with me to Matthew, the 16th chapter. It seems like people get in the ditch on one side or the other of these issues. Either people get into the ditch that everything is a devil, and there's a devil under every bush and under every rock. And everybody's got 10 or 15 devils in them. And they spend most of their time trying to cast something out of themselves or each other. Or, do you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Or people come out of that ditch and run straight across the road and into the ditch on the other side. And act like there are no influencing spirits. Hmm? It's just us flesh and that's all it is. Oh no. There are spirits, but we who are Christians have been delivered out of the power of darkness and out of the control of the evil one. And we have the greater one, the Holy Spirit, living on the inside of us. And for the more part, when Christians are having difficulty, now I didn't say all the time, but for the most part, when Christians are having difficulty with wrong spirits, Many times they don't need anything cast out of them. They need to quit yielding. Did you hear me? They just need to quit yielding and giving place to these influences. I mean, it starts early. Little children have to be trained. The Bible uses the word train, not just teach, trained. Let me give you some, a, good, a good phrase the Lord gave me years ago. Ignorance needs instruction. Rebellion needs discipline. Did you hear me now? So if somebody is, is did something ignorantly, whether it's a, a two-year-old or 25-year-old or 60-year-old, if they did something ignorantly, what do they need? They don't necessarily need discipline. They need instruction. But if they knew what to do, and they just purposely defied and rebelled and was insubordinate. Then it's what they need is for you to sit down to it with them and explain it to them a lot more. No. Somebody said, you, you believe in, in, in spanking? Yeah. 
People, some people have trouble with that. Let me, let me ask you a question. Are you smarter than God? Hmm? He has more kids than anybody. Right? <laughs> and he tells us how to deal with certain things. And if you don't think that's right, then you disagree with him. And you think you know more about it than he does. And you're wrong. Absolutely we're against child abuse. No question about it. And there's no need in backhanding children in the face and hitting them with hard objects and bruising them and all that kind of crazy stuff. That is wrong. Wrong. Even being rough with somebody out of anger is wrong. But God has designed children in such a way that there's extra padding on certain parts of their anatomy. And you can take something real smooth like a, like a little thin board or something and you can apply some pressure there and, and it will smart and, and it might turn the skin red and, and it won't hurt them or damage them physically, but it will affect their soul. Amen. And what, what little ones need to learn is that you should not yield to that influence. Did you hear me? I had some folk bring their, their child to me one time, and they were 12 years old, a, a, a daughter. And they were so bragging and saying, you know, we've, we've never spanked her all her life. They didn't know that that was unnecessary to tell me that. <laughs> I was around her just a few minutes. She was a terror. Everybody needs some discipline. Sometimes. There's no such thing as somebody that makes it from infancy to adulthood never needed any discipline or correction. No. And how did we get off on all that? <laughs> well, we're talking about that Christians need to learn not to yield to influences. And little ones, I mean, if a little one comes and defies you and says, No, I'm not going to do it. No. Well, they need to learn not to yield to that influence. Right? That it can cost them. And it can be uncomfortable. You could lose privileges. Right? You could get spanked. Now, read with me in Matthew 16 and see something that's, that shows perfectly how that even good people, even saved people, even Christians can yield to something wrong. In Matthew 16, verse 13, Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But whom say you? That I am. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So Peter was speaking by the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? When he said, You are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. He said, you didn't get that from men. You didn't get that from flesh and blood. You got that from the Father. He got that. Well, then the Father communicates things to us by his Spirit here in the earth. So he, Peter, is it true that you could say he was yielding to the Holy Spirit? When he received these, these thoughts and this revelation and when he spoke it out, he was yielding to the Holy Spirit. I don't think there's any question about that. And just a couple of verses later, though, verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him and said, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you savor not the things that be of God, but those things, those that be of men. So was Peter yielding to the enemy? Here. Yeah. Just a couple of verses later. Right? Is it true you could yield to the Holy Ghost in the morning? And to the enemy in the afternoon? Huh? Sure. Does that mean you need something cast out of you? No. No? What does it mean? It means you need to try the spirits. It means you need to test what spirit, where is that thought coming from? Where are those feelings coming from? And not just say everything that crosses the mind and not just yield to every influence and feeling that you have. Sometimes people say, well, I just, I'm just real. If I feel that way, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry, that's, I'm just real. If, if I feel that way, if I don't like you, I'm not going to say I like you. That's just me, I'm just real. Yeah, real carnal. <laughs> Flesh and feeling ruled. And it's nothing to be bragging about. Christians that walk with God and that grow and develop, they learn to control their feelings and their emotions. That don't mean that you're emotionless, feeling less. It just means you learn which ones to yield to and which ones to shut down. Right? The Bible said, be ye angry and sin not. Well, then it's not just automatically a sin to get angry. But you can sin while you're angry. Right? So what do you got to do? You got to be in control. In control. And, and you decide how, whether I yield to this feeling, whether I say this word or not. You know, I, I, we've, we've dealt with husbands and wives that were having problems. And, and husbands that, that beat their wives. Beat them up. And sometimes in talking with some of these guys, they, they say they can't help it. They get so mad. And they just don't know what they're doing. And they're so sorry, but they just, they can't control and leave the impression that they just, they're not hardly responsible because they, they, they got so mad they just couldn't control themselves. But it's interesting to me, you can take that same man and make him mad and put him beside a big man about twice as big as he is. <laughs> and somewhere or another, he's able to control himself to where he doesn't slap this guy around.
But then he can't control himself around his 125-pound wife. Now, people do what they get away with. Did you hear me? People do what they can. No, there is no such thing as somebody that can't control their temper. No such thing. You are completely responsible for everything you say and everything you do before the Lord. Completely accountable. Now, it is true. If you just yield to your temper and yield to it and yield, just completely vent the feelings, well, you'll, you'll get to where you just do it almost without thinking. But you can change. I said you can change. Say it out loud. I'm in control of my feelings, of my temper, of my words. Amen. It's, my, it's your mind. It, it's your if you're not in control, who is? If you're not driving, who is? So people can yield to the Holy Spirit or they can yield to an evil spirit. When you yield, whatever you yield to, you take on the characteristics of that. If you're yielding to the Holy Spirit, you take on His characteristics. You're yielding to a wrong spirit. You remember in the scripture it talks about unclean spirits. If somebody had an unclean spirit, then what were they then? Unclean. Dumb and deaf spirit. Well, what did that make the person then? Dumb and deaf. And, you know, I keep on adding things here instead of finishing my message. But it's not... Accident, you're not just walking down the, the street one day and oops, I got a spirit. Ooh. <laughs> Things influence you because you open yourself up to them. Hmm? And you, you watch things, and you listen to things, and you think about things, and, and, and you yield your body to things. That's how people get messed up. Did you hear me? So you ought to be cautious about what you watch. But, you know, they were somebody was asking me some years ago, they said, do you really think that there's any connection between people watching all this uh, pornographic material and this violent pornographic material and then uh, violent sexual crimes and offenses? Uh, we're not sure. The, the study is still like, oh, are you kidding yourself? Absolutely. The, the more you watch people shoot each other, then the easier it is for you to see you shooting somebody. Amen. Whatever you watch, whatever you feed on, whatever you listen to, uh, the enemy is able to paint a picture then of you doing it. And even though it might seem so foreign to you at first, if you watch it, if you feed on it, if you think about it, if you talk it long enough, the next step is what? Do it. And it may not happen in a month or two or a year or two, but you keep feeding on it and you get closer and closer to doing it and being it. So we ought to be selective what we listen to. And you need to think, you know, when you're watching something, who influenced those writers? Right? Well, they were so inspired. Yeah, but by what? Huh? And if you go ahead and, and, and just immerse yourself into the thing, then you are yielding to whatever they yielded to when they got it. That's one reason why there are certain places we ought not go. I mean, why shouldn't you just go to the bars and 
and frequent them and, and go to the houses of ill repute. Well, it's not just a matter of the, the physical or geographical place. It's if you go there and you do what they do, then you're yielding to the same spirits that they're yielding to. Yes. Whatever's there. And that actually makes God jealous, the Bible says. He's a jealous God. He, you are supposed to be married to Him. You're supposed to be chased unto Him and that you only yield to Him. And when He wants to do something, we're supposed to yield to Him, speak His words, think His thoughts, obey and do what He says do. Yielding to Him. Let me give you some quick things here of how you can test the spirits. How you can examine and see, is this right or is this wrong? Is this God or is this not? Should I yield to it or should I resist it? Number one, does it agree with the written Word, the Bible? Does it agree with the Bible? You know, in Second Peter, Peter's talking about that he was with them when they heard the voice from heaven and they saw, you know, Elijah and Moses on the mount and they said, man, we heard the voice from the excellent glory. But after saying that, he said, we have a more sure word than that. What would be more sure than hearing God speak out of heaven? He, he talked about the writings of the prophets, the scriptures. He called it a more sure word. You know, friend, I don't care if an angel choir comes through the ceiling tomorrow morning about 6 o'clock and sings to you a message supposedly from heaven. If it contradicts any verse in this book, you reject it. You laugh at it. I had some people come to me sometime years ago, and, and this fellow was trying to tell me this revelation that he had gotten, and he, he wasn't three sentences into it that I knew it wasn't right. I was thinking of half a dozen scriptures that it contradicted. I began to try to tell him he got mad. He said, no, no, no. Now, now the angel of the Lord gave this to me. He said, I, I saw a being in white. I, I saw him. And, and he told me this. The message from God. So I have to do this. And it was totally in disagreement with plain scripture. Somebody said, you think he saw something? I think he did. You think he saw a spirit? I think he did. But I understand the devil's an imposter. Hmm? Yeah, he, the scripture said he transforms himself into an angel or being of life. He's a, he, he's a pretender. He, he, he's an actor and he's a good one. But if you, know, if you know this book, you're not easily duped or deceived. Amen. If you don't know the book, you're at a disadvantage. Anybody coming along preaching anything, you don't know whether they're right or wrong. Thank God for the book. I said, thank God for the book. Get in the book. Read the book. Get familiar with the book. Know the book. We got a phrase that we're saying on Friday nights. Any of you that are with us, you remember what it is? Where's the scripture? No matter what anybody comes up with, that's our question. Where's the, where's the verse? Where's the scripture? So how do we know whether we yield to this thing, this vision, this prophecy, this uh, word from somebody, this message somebody preached? How do, we, how do we judge it? How do we test it? Number one. By the book, by the written word. Number two, we judge it by its honoring of God 
and saying it like this, and glorifying of Jesus, which is the same thing. Does it honor God? Does it glorify Jesus? One minister at the turn of the century was having what he considered to be some unusual, it was for their, for their circles, unusual manifestations. Sometimes he'd preach and people would fall out and just lay on the floor. Well, the first time that happened, they were, everybody was totally surprised. He began to preach and this woman was up on the front row and she just fell over on the floor. Well, he immediately called for a doctor. And, and a doctor physician came and examined her and he said, well, she's okay. Everything's fine. Seems to fine to me. She seems to be in some kind of a trance maybe or something. I don't know. And somebody said, well, is it God? And they said, I don't know. Is it the devil? <laughs> and the preacher said, and these are words of wisdom. He said, well, let's just wait and see when she comes out. And whoever gets the glory, we'll know that's who did it. So they just all stood around and watched her. <laughs> and in a few minutes, she began to come around. And the first thing she said was, glory to God, glory to God. He said, it's God. <laughs> does God get the glory? Does it honor him? And does it glorify Jesus? Go to 1 Corinthians 12, please. And I got enough here for a seminar this morning. Y'all believing with me to not go too short and not too long and just right? 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts or spirituals, other translations say, Brothers, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. One translation says influenced by these idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand, now get this, that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, see, he's not, he's not just talking. How many understand you could find somebody on the street that didn't know anything about the Bible or God, and you, you could say, repeat after me, Jesus is Lord. They could say it if they chose to. And that wouldn't necessarily make that a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about people that are speaking by a spirit, prophesying. They're supposed to be speaking by the spirit. And they're saying it's the Holy Ghost. But apparently some of these guys had said some things that were derogatory or not glorifying of Jesus. And he wants you to know that there's no way that can be the Holy Spirit. Right? Because when the Holy Spirit manifests, he's going to glorify Jesus. Amen? He's going to magnify him and honor him and show his supremacy, his lordship. Now, let's extend that. Anybody, you know, me, anybody you hear, anybody you know, yourself included, that's supposed to be giving something by the Spirit, if it's a message, if it's a, a teaching or preaching or, or a tongue interpretation or whatever, a prayer, if it mostly draws attention to them, it's not the right Spirit. Hmm? If it just glorifies flesh... If it just honors humanity only and mostly, 
That's not the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is, is, is prompting and giving the utterance and, and when it's really the anointing, who's going to get the glory? It's going to glorify God. Amen. It's going to magnify Jesus. That's a second way you can test and try the spirits. Number three. All I've got is four. So. Number three. Does it demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit? What spirit is this of? Does it demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit? What, what do we mean by that? Well, like we said, whatever spirit you yield to, you take on those characteristics. Somebody gets mean and hard and cruel, are they yielding to the Holy Ghost? Mm-mm. You know, some people have found a, a new word for rudeness. I said a new word for rudeness. They call it boldness. Just harsh and hard and run over folk and demanding and say, I'm sorry, that's just my prophetic anointing. <laughs> no. If it was the Holy Spirit, it's going to be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentle. Everybody say gentle. So that's not harsh. That's not hard. It's not mean, it's not cruel, it's not judgmental. Gentle. Gentle. Right? Faith and faithful and and meek and and humble and and temperate and self-controlled. These are all fruits of the Holy Spirit through the human spirit. But you know it's the right spirit when you're seeing these things. Somebody's short and ill-tempered and mean and selfish and demanding. I don't care how many scriptures they're quoting. That ain't the right spirit, is it? And finally, how do we know it's the right spirit? Does it help people? Does it meet their needs? Because that's what God is interested in. Does it work? You know, James says, if you say you have faith and, and you don't do anything for people, what good is that? What, what profit is that? Right? Does it help people? That's the spirit we want to be of. That when the words help people, the prayer helps people, the action helps people, the giving helps people. It matters. It, it works. It makes a difference. Why don't you stand up, please, and take your Bible. And I want you to read this verse out with me. Hold your Bible, please. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We're going to pray something. We're going to act on something right now. And you'll have a chance this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow and all next week to act on these things. You'll have influences. There's a, There's influences, just thoughts and feelings will come to you. You ever had a thought that came to you that was just bizarre? Huh? Anybody? And you thought, where did that come from, right? The devil is a deceiver. He will bring goofy and perverted stuff 
and then try to make you feel bad because you thought it. And he's the one who brought it to you. He will, he'll bring thoughts to you. And you'll go, what is that? And you'll go, you're a sad example of a Christian. Supposed to be saved thinking about that. Sitting up here in church thinking about that. You're messed up. And if you listen to that, you'll go, what's wrong with me? And the devil will go, you're messed up. You got a spirit. I do. Yeah, you got two. <laughs> and if you get in fear, did you hear me? You get in fear and you go, oh my Lord. You know, somebody told this years ago and I thought it was an excellent thing. They were up on this tall, tall building and they were looking down off the top. And I mean, it was so far down, little car, cars and people looked like little uh, miniature toys and they're just holding on to the rail looking over and this thought came to them why don't you just jump and they said why don't you jump <laughs> I thought that's excellent that's excellent why? because they immediately knew where that's coming from that's not coming from me that's not coming from inside of me that's coming from out here that's some of the devil's stupid stuff you jump if you want to. I'm not crazy. But some people would have gripped the rail and go, what's wrong with me? Am I suicidal? And the devil would go, yeah, yeah, you're, you're suicidal. What's wrong with me thinking about jumping? You're messed up. No. When thoughts come to you, what do you do? Number one, what do you do? Test them. Test them. Everybody say test them. Check them out. Do they agree with the Word? Are they, do they honor God? Are, are they in agreement with the fruit of the Spirit? Are they helpful? Are they, are they good fruit producing? If they're not, here's what you do. Here's what you do. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, amen, and, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Pray this after me out loud with you. Father God, I thank you. For giving me the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word and giving me discernment and giving me understanding to know the difference between what's good and what's bad, what's from you and what's from the enemy. And help me, Lord, to be more aware and more keen. And grow with greater understanding. And I will try the spirits. I will prove all things. I will test every thought and every feeling. And what's of you, I will receive 
I will believe, I will yield to what is contrary to you. I will refuse, I will reject, I will cast down and resist and not yield to. Get glory to yourself. Get glory to yourself, Lord. Hallelujah in my life and all things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands and believe Him for extra peace to come on your mind today. Extra peace to work in your heart today. In Jesus' holy name. Come on, praise Him a little bit, everybody. Just lift up your hands. Father, we thank You that the peace of God that passes understanding keeps my heart and my mind keeps me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've got peace. I've got peace. Oh, we bless you. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God.